Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. And we just welcome in all of our locations one more time. Really great to see you guys. And uh, I just also want to announce, in addition to the date night event that you saw there, next weekend we're kicking off our uh, fall relationship series. We're going to be talking about marriage. We're going to be talking about family, singles. We're going to be talking about dating. We're going to be talking about friendships, all things pertaining to relationships. This is our big fall relationship series kicking off next weekend. Uh, In the series, Carrie and I are going to be doing some tag team teaching. That's always good. So y'all can see into our inner world what a great wife I had. Carrie really helps me. She helps me being a, a husband. In fact, the other day we were talking and she really encouraged me. She said this. She said, Stovall, you know you're not selfish. You're just self-centered. I thought, you're not selfish, you're self-centered. And so we were ta- I, was, I took that as a compliment. You know what I'm saying? I mean, out of selfish and self-centered, I'd rather be self-centered and I'll work on that one. So come on, husbands, where are you at? You gotta take what you can get, all right? So, so then we kind of talked about, we kind of agreed on, I was kind of, I'm not selfish, but I am self-centered, and I'm about 90% self-centered. So my goal is this fall to take that down to being 80% self-centered. You know, we work it from there. Come on, husbands, where are, where are you at, man? You, well, thank you, honey. Thanks for helping me. So that's going to be a great series, and this weekend we're kind of in between series. We're in between uh, I Love My Church, we just completed, and then we're going into the relationship series next weekend. So I'm going to do a message today. It's a short message, and, and I'm going to do these messages. Uh, there's several of them I want to do on uh, biblical narratives or biblical literacy, where we take a big theme in the Bible like redemption or atonement or holiness or something like that, and we kind of look at what it really means in the narrative throughout uh, the Bible with that. And so this is a kind of an in-between weekend. So I'm going to unpack the first one of these today. And I want to talk about understanding holiness. Understanding holiness. Um, you know, when we think of the word holy, you know, we sing into a song, we think of the word holy. We think of, um, you know, like uh, morally good. And when we think God is holy, we think uh, like God's morally perfect. But holiness is much more than that. And I feel that in the church, there's a lot of misunderstandings about holiness. So I'm I'm hoping to bring some clarity to you today. And I think that you're really going to be encouraged by it. So let's pray. Oh, I forgot to, you're wondering, I'm sitting on a stool, right? Well, did y'all see me limping around? Well, I kind of bummed out my knee. I hyperextended my knee. So that's why I'm changing up here. I know what you're thinking. How'd you hyperextend it? I'll be glad to tell you. So, so, you know, Pastor Chris Brooks, big workout guy, bodybuilder guy, thinks he's so cool. So anyway, he started, he's at OP. Y'all can kind of give him a look now if you want OP. So we, we were working out together and he got jealous because I started being able to do more squats than him. We were doing heavy squats and he got jealous, and so he had me do this leg exercise where I hyperextended my knee. But uh, I will be back, Chris. My vision for Quadzilla 2017 will live on, but, but I'll be fine. It doesn't, it, it doesn't hurt, but I'm just kind of hobbling a little bit, so I need this kind of seat 
where I'll behave, okay? So uh, let's pray. Father, we love you. God, just forgive Chris for his jealousy. And Lord, we just thank you that through the Holy Spirit and your word, you're gonna help us understand this important, important truth of holiness and your holiness, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. So as I said, when we think about holiness, most people think of the word holy like it's morally good, and it includes that. And when we think of God being holy, we think, okay, God's morally perfect. It does include that. However, when we look in the Bible and we see things like God saying, be holy as I am holy, it can kind of be a disconnect, can it? Because we're like, well, man, look, no matter how good we are, we can never be as morally perfect as God. So what is God really meaning by this. Well, if you really look at the biblical definition of the word holy and the idea of holiness in the Bible, it is much, much bigger than moral goodness, although it does include that. When you look at the word holy in the Bible and the Hebrew root word uh, being Kadesh, what it means is it, it talks about the separateness of God, the uniqueness of God, the awesomeness of God, that, 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 that it, it implies that through God and God alone is the creative force of all life in the universe. It's like God is above and beyond. He's transcendent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's, he's holy. He's set apart. He's separate from his creation. In other words, he's not like us. He's all powerful, he's all consuming. And so what God does in the Bible, beginning in the very beginning, he begins to uh, put into play and to scope these laws, these rituals, these regulations, these illustrations to help us human beings get some type of idea of this awesome being that created us and who loves us. Remember, we're human, we're, we're temporal. We can't understand God has no beginning and no end. Wow, that's awesome, that's unique, that's holy. We're, we're, we're finite, we have a finite understanding. Well, God's infinite. How, how can we take what is eternal and infinite and put it into language or illustrations where we as human beings can get an understanding of the type of being that created us who is different than us, okay? And so that's why we see in the Old Testament, here comes God and he does all these things, all these animal sacrifices, what does that mean? And all these ceremonial cleansings and all these ritual cleansings and all these things. I mean, basically the whole book of Leviticus, and if, if you don't understand the big picture of what God's trying to communicate to us, you'll look and you'll be like, man, what kind of, what's going on here? And they're killing animals and they're doing these things and you know, they touch a, 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 someone's dog dies and they bury him and now they gotta go, you know, wash themselves like this and do all this kind of stuff before they can go back and worship God. And you have to understand, think of the Old Testament like this, okay? Think of the Old Testament and in the Old Covenant. It's one big illustration set up for the sermon of Jesus. It's one big uh, set up illustration where we can begin to connect temporal earthly, finite things where we can understand in a small way the type of awesome being that God is. 
God is holy. He's unique. He's all-powerful. He's all-consuming. He's separate from his creation. He's not like us. You can kind of think a great metaphor of this uh, is the sun. Okay, think of the sun, right? So the sun is what? Unique. It's set apart. It's above, right? The, the sun is unique to our solar system, and it is absolutely crucial to life on earth. If there's no sun, what? There's no life. We're all dead. How does the sun, man, we, we you know, the, the sun, it, it brings such an energy, such a power. It's such a life force. So in that way, because the sun is unique, because it's above and beyond, because it's different, because it brings the life force, because we can't live without it. In that way, we could say in a way, the sun is holy. Are you following me? But it's not just, just the sun, the, 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 the star, the sun, but it's also kind of the area around the sun because the sun is so intense. Its energy is so awesome. What We enjoy the sun from this distance, right? But the closer you get to the sun, the same power and energy that we enjoy from this distance, the closer you get to it, what? That power can become dangerous. And eventually that power, if you keep getting closer and closer, unless, unless you're made, watch, unless you're made of the same substance of the sun, eventually the closer that you get to it, well, it's so dangerous and it will destroy you. Not because the sun is bad, but because what? The sun is powerful. Because it's so, the same awesomeness and goodness that we enjoy here on earth, it has to be that way, but it also brings uh, a danger to it, a reverence to it. Well, this is kind of the paradox with the presence of God and who God is. And this is what he tries, he starts to teach people, humans, in the Old Testament. God's saying, look, I'm a good God and I love you. I want a relationship with you, but I need you to understand what kind of presence, what kind of being that I am. Our God is an awesome God. That son I just spoke about, he spoke that son into existence. He is the creative force behind the entire universe. So when he begins to relate to man, one of the first things that he needs us to understand is, look, he loves us, he wants a relationship with us, but he is not like us. He is separate, he is awesome. It's what makes him God, okay? And we see a great example of this in Exodus, right after Genesis, with uh, Moses and the burning bush. Here we go. Look what it says here. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro. Come on, everybody needs a granddad or dad called Jethro. Am I right? <laughs> Jethro. Sounds made up, but it's not because it's in the Bible. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him, look, in flames of fire, Think about this. So God's using basically what the son has is this teaching illustration here. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. 
Verse three, it says, so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight while the bush does not burn up. Verse four, it says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. God says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Leave that right there. So watch this. Here's what Moses sees. Moses, wow, look at this. This bush that's on fire. This thing is amazing. Man, this is, wow, how awesome is this? I'm attracted to this. This is, he starts to move towards it. And as he gets closer, God speaks to him and says, Moses, don't come any closer. Where you have just entered, you're in the vicinity of my presence. The place where you are standing on is holy. It's unique. It's set apart. It's different from anything that you've experienced. From anywhere you walk, take off your sandals. This is not a place of earth. You can't just walk in to my presence like you walk in to anybody else's house. This is holy ground. Now look what God says. He says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So this is good because God got the point across. Do you see? Here's what God's saying. I'm God. I'm the great I am. There's no one like me, Moses. I'm the creative force behind everything. You are now entering my vicinity. This is holy ground. Take off those shoes. This is not like any other place on earth. And Moses got the message, and the Bible said that he hid his face from God. In other words, this was, this was a parenting win for God, is what I'm trying to say. Moses got the message. Oh my gosh, this being is so holy. There's such an energy. It's, it's so awesome. It's so powerful. It's beautiful. I want to see it. It's, it, it's beautiful, but man, it's, it's holy. It's holy and I, I need to be careful. And from this point on in the Bible, God begins to teach this lesson to humanity. And that is this, that what is impure cannot come into what is pure. That, that if you are impure, you cannot just waltz into pure. If you are unholy, you can't just come in to what is holy. God's being is all-consuming. He's, he's all-powerful. And he starts to teach him this lesson. You can think about it in several illustrations. Many of you remember the story when Moses is given the law on Mount Sinai, right? And so God gives him the law on top of the mountain, and God says, look, Moses, the people are down there. You better go down there, and you better put a fence up. You better put a boundary up around the mountain. Or you know what they're going to do? By the way, this is a Stovall paraphrase, just so you'll know. All right? He said, you better put a boundary around the mountain because you know what they'll do? They'll do just what you did to the burning bush, Moses. They'll start to gaze at the awesomeness of my presence and how attractive and how beautiful it is and how awesome it is, and they'll just kind of roll on up there, and before they know it, they'll get too close. And my power will consume them. God says my power would break out on them. 
So Moses like, you gotta prepare, you gotta stay, you gotta stay outside of the vicinity of this. It's holy. Now we see the same thing when God starts, he, he sets up the temple and the instructions for the temple. If you're familiar with the uh, temple uh, for the children of Israel, you know there's the outer court, there's the inner court, and then there's the holy of holies, all right? So think about this. To go into God's holiness in the holy of holies, and I, I'm gonna get to this in just a second. There, there was all this ritual and ceremonial cleansing, not just animals. See, animal sacrifices took care of the sin issue, but then there was this uncleanness or death or humanity issue that also had to be addressed. And so the, the priest to go into the inner court and then would have to go through all these ritual cleansings and then there's only one person who could go in the holy place, holy place, encounter God's holiness and that was the high priest. And he could only go in once a year and you can read in Leviticus, oh my gosh, the stuff that he had to go through to make himself ceremonially pure. I'm talking, he gotta bathe like this and bathe like that. He gotta wash this, he gotta wash that. He gotta sacrifice this, he gotta sacrifice that. He better have the right robe on, he better have the right underwear on. He better have that turban looking good. He better have that jewelry, he better be blinging it the right way. <laughs> Watch, can you imagine? So he gets all Ready, and so here's what his friends, the other priests would do. Before he goes in, they would tie a rope around, around his leg, and he had, he had bells around, they'd tie a rope around him, so when he went in, maybe he had a limp like me, so when he went in, actually he couldn't, if he had a limp, he'd get killed too, that was considered unclean. He could not be defiled in any way, he could physically, any type of impairment in any way. So they tie, tie a rope, around him, so when he went in there, if like he forgot to wash behind his ears, if he forgot to put the blood on this type or whatever, if he had a jewel that wasn't shined, I mean, you can read about it. It is just amazing what they had to go through to get it. If anything went wrong and he wasn't ritually cleansed, ritually pure, guess what? He dropped dead. The holiness of God would destroy him, not because it's bad but because it's so good, because it's so powerful, because it's so pure, and we are impure. So I've always kind of had this picture. Could you imagine, like if you were the high priest, so you do all your stuff, you know, you're thinking like, man, you can see, you're just sweating, man. You're like, oh my gosh, have I done everything? Da, 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 da. And then here come your friends, the other guys, not the high priest, but the other priests. They tie the rope around you and they're like, all right, go head on. Good luck with all that. Hey, we'll be out here. We'll be holding the rope. You know, if you go in there and we kind of hear this boom, 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 diggly, -ling -ling, and that rope goes limp. We like, hey, we got you. We're going to drag you on out. But what's God doing? God is saying this. What is impure cannot come into what is pure. I'm holy. I'm all powerful. I'm set apart. And in the Old Testament, this is one of the main themes that God teaches his people. And that's this, to come into his presence, you had to be pure. And I know what some of you are thinking. Well, you're talking about mostly moral purity, right? Well, it includes that. And that's why the animal sacrificial system was there. Another illustration where God's teaching, uh, teaching humanity, look, that, that, that sin must be atoned for. 
There's no free passes here. I'm a just God. So if sin has been committed, then, then there has to be justice. A life has to be atoned for. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So we know that when Jesus came, he was the actual message to what that illustration was pointing to. It's just a type and a shadow. But it's not just moral purity, okay? It's also ritual purity. And this is basically what the book of Leviticus was written for. It was to show the children of Israel how not to get impure, and if they did get impure, how the steps that they needed to take to get pure. Okay, y'all follow me here? Come on, catch, stay in here. I'm, I'm going somewhere. We're almost there, okay? So think about this, Leviticus. So if you look at what would make someone impure, I'm not talking about moral sin here. What we're talking about is things that would say any, any contact with anything dead. See what? God is life, right? So anything dead would make somebody impure. So it's like if you touched an animal carcass, like I said, if your dog died and you had to go bury it, okay, if you touched any dead thing, got around any dead human or animal, anything like that, you were impure. And there's a whole list of instructions of how now to cleanse yourself and get ritually pure, okay? Or if you um, touch someone that had certain types of infectious skin diseases. So let's say you came, you know, you patched somebody on the back, you know, like watching the Jags game. You pat them on the back. Man, awesome. That was an awesome touchdown. And they turn around, they had like leprosy. You're like, oh no. Here we go. I go back to Leviticus. What I got to do, let me get all my bath water up in here and where I got to stay and show myself to, here's this whole thing of how to get ritually pure. Or even certain blood issues or bodily fluids. All of these things. See, getting impure, it was not necessarily sinful. A lot of things had nothing to do with sin. It was really just about humanity and doing life. God's given an illustration here. Do you see? It's really about all the things as we go through life that just make us impure, that remind us that we're human, that we're broken, that we're in death, that we're not like God. Here was the big thing in the Old Testament, okay? And you read it in Leviticus and it went on for 600 years until the passage I'm about to show you. Here's the thing. In the Old Testament, if you were pure, ceremonially pure, okay? You, 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 you're pure, you hadn't touched anything. As soon as you touch something that's impure, you become impure. The impurity transfers to you. You were pure, you, you know, dead dog, skin with infection, bodily fluids, things like that. Whatever you touched, if it was impure, you became impure. The impurity transferred to you. And this is how it was for 600 years until we get to the prophets. Now, all of a sudden now in the prophets, we see God begin to make a shift. Let me show you a great passage of scripture. Y'all with me? Watch this, Isaiah chapter six, one through seven, the prophet Isaiah. What a vision of God's holiness, all right? In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Look at this, he's high, he's exalted, he's separate, he's so different from me. This, this being is just, it's, he's, the energy, the presence, the power, the awesomeness, he's exalted. Look at this, he's seated on a throne. He's the only true king. He's the creative force behind all life in the universe. Look at this. And the train, just the train, the train of his robe filled the temple. Come on, look at somebody near you and say, that's a big robe. It's a big old robe up in there. 
Verse two, look at this. So God, God doesn't have like dogs. You're not gonna find just a chocolate lab and a yellow lab up in the throne room with God. No, he's taking it up several notches with his pets. Look at God, above him, above him were seraphim, these creatures, these angelic type creatures, seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they cover their faces, with two wings they cover their feet, with two wings they were flying. Do you see the pattern? Remember Moses, he hit his face. They're in the holiness of God. It's too great. Verse three, it says, and they were calling to one another, look at this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. There's that word holiness. God's above and beyond. He's awesome. Some scholars say that the reason they kept repeating this because every time they would, God would give them a revelation of his holiness and they'd be blown away and they'd say holy. And right after that, God would give them another revelation of his holiness and they'd be blown away and they'd say holy. And God is infinite and he's eternal and he gives them revelations throughout all eternity of his holiness. And when they get that, they're blown away and they say holy. Hard to comprehend, isn't it? That's why God gives us all these rituals and animal sacrifices and all the things we look in the Old Testament. We're like, these look so stupid. Not me, but other people might say that, Lord. But you look, well, you do. If you're not familiar, like, what's the deal with killing animals? Oh, come on, God, pigeons? Can we leave the pigeons out? I mean, really, God, the lepers? You know what I'm saying? I mean, do they, do they have to be like, it, it just kind of, do we really have to tie a rope around the high priest? <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? It's because God is trying to give us a picture of something we can connect in our finite minds of how awesome his presence is. He is holy. So watch this. Look at verse four. And the sound of their voices, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Verse five, look, look at Isaiah. Isaiah says basically this, oh no. Uh-oh, what am I doing in the, Isaiah knew the rules. Isaiah wasn't ritually pure. He hadn't done all his ceremonial washings. He knew what was coming. And there wasn't not even a rope around his foot to drag him out. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm in the holy, I'm in the throne room of God. Oh no, it is over. I'm about to drop dead. Oh no, <laughs> woe is me. It's over, go ahead, kill me God. I'm undone, I understand, I know the rules God. I've read Leviticus, it's over. But now look at a shift. Verse six, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Wait, God, I thought that if I got too close to your presence, I'd be destroyed because I'm impure. And what I have learned, how we've been relating to you is, remember anything impure, if it touches something that's 
pure, the pure becomes impure. But now, God takes this coal, this pure object, this holy object, and that coal touches Isaiah. But instead of Isaiah's impurity transferring to the coal and the coal becoming impure, just the opposite happens. And the purity from the coal transfers to Isaiah and all of a sudden, Isaiah becomes pure. A switch had happened. This holy object touched what was unholy and instead of the unholiness coming on the holy object, the holiness from the object went on the unholiness of the person. Here's what God is saying. You see, my holiness was never meant to destroy you. And what Isaiah experienced in this encounter with God was God's holiness didn't destroy him. God's holiness actually transformed him. And God has said he's changing the narrative now. Why? Because people understand God's awesome. What's impure can't go into what's pure. God's holy. He's set above. He's apart. That's why before God does this with the coal, he reminds Isaiah who he is. God's like, I hadn't lessened my standards. I'm not different from who I was before. But Isaiah, here's what you need to understand. I love you. I love humanity. I want a relationship with them. And my holiness was never meant to destroy people. My holiness is here to transform people. We see this again in Ezekiel. Here's another. This is Stovall Bridge version. The SAV, it's been outlawed from all Bible and bookstores, but I still quote it. Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel says, I had this vision. This amazing vision. You know what I saw? Ezekiel says, I saw the temple of God. And I saw the temple, and instead of people having to purify themselves and then go into the temple to encounter God's holiness, I saw something totally different. I saw God's holiness coming out of the temple. It looked like this river and it went out, this river, this pure river, and it was going into all of these dead places and everywhere the river went, went, what was impure became pure. What was dead became alive. What was unholy became holy. What was sick became healed. And I saw that river go all the way into the Dead Sea, the very thing representing death. And even the Dead Sea came to life. And there was life. And there was beauty. It was everywhere. Oh, I, I see there's, there's, there's coming a day when God's holiness is going to come out and it's not gonna be for destruction, it's gonna be for transformation. It's not gonna bring death, it's gonna bring life. And lo and behold, guess who comes on the scene to wrap this up and bring the message to all of these illustrations and types and shadows and rituals and all this kind of stuff? God's own son, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus was the embodiment of God's holiness. And when Jesus came on the scene, what did he do? 
He went straight to the unclean, to the impure. All of those things it says in Leviticus, don't you go to the dead and the leprous and people with blood issues and all this kind of thing because if you touch them, their impurity is gonna get on you and make you impure. What did Jesus do? Jesus did just the opposite. He went to the impure and when Jesus touched them, instead of their impurity getting on Jesus, Jesus' purity got on them. Instead of their unholiness getting on Jesus, Jesus' holiness got on them. Instead of their uncleanness getting on Jesus, Jesus' cleanness got on them. That's why there's so much in the Bible about what? Jesus raising the dead. Priests wouldn't even get near that stuff. People wouldn't get near that stuff. You're gonna defile yourself. You're gonna come impure. Jesus, when he raised the dead, Jesus would go to the lepers. They come out at sunset. Everyone else was running from him. Jesus would go touch them and make them clean. Jesus, the woman with the issue of blood, what happened? She grabbed Jesus, she touched Jesus, and according to the law, her uncleanness, she touches the pure. That uncleanness would get on Jesus. She touched Jesus, what did Jesus say? Power went out from me. Holiness went out from me. Uncleanness touched me and I felt the cleansing power of God make what was unclean, clean. So we're, so like, we're, you know, American, mostly Gentile, we're reading all these stories, they're like, oh, but if you're Jewish and you're reading, like Jesus is always around the dead. Jesus is always around people with blood issues. Jesus is always around the lepers. It's speaking to them, this concept of God's holiness is now available for transformation into the lives of people. Do you see? That's why what Jesus and Paul, they all say this now what? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And once Jesus died on the cross, now what? The blood of Jesus washes us clean. Now we are morally pure. It not only forgives us our sin, but what? Cleanses, ritual, cleanses us. Ceremonial cleansing cleanses us from all unrighteous. We are morally clean. We are ceremonially clean. We are washed in the blood of Jesus. Now the holiness of God can dwell inside this temple. And what Jesus said is from this day forward, my holiness is gonna be in my followers. They're gonna be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And out of their bellies will flow rivers of living water. There's going to be rivers of living water. They're going to get out in an impure world and they're going to let my purity touch what's impure and we're going to see the dead become alive, the sick healed, the broken whole. I wish somebody would help me up in here. God's good. So, so, so you see, way back when, I mean, it's, it's still out there now. That's why this idea of holiness, it's so sad how a misunderstanding of holiness in some churches has turned into legalism or religion. And what does it teach? Oh, the, the bad, evil world and all of its impurity. We better get away from the world. We don't want to go out there because the impurity on the world might get on us if we get too close. So what are we gonna do? We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna separate ourselves and we're gonna get around 
ourselves. The problem is if you're only around yourself, all you got is a bunch of clean people. There's nothing that that holiness can do. There's no unclean around it that it can transform. Are you following? That's why Jesus said, hey, you're in the world. You're not of the world, but you're in the world. You better get out there in some dirt, in some humanity, in some brokenness, in some impurity. You allow me to transform you on the inside and let my holiness flow out of you and touch humanity. You see, that's what holiness is. The Bible says we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, guess what? I'm sorry to tell you, you're holy. Nothing you can do about it. I'm sorry. Because of the blood of Jesus, you are now part of the holy nation. You are holy. Do you see? And if someone would say, well, what, what does that mean? If I, when I say I'm holy, I'm not talking about moral perfection. None of us are perfectly uh, moral. None of us have moral perfection. We all make mistakes, we all fall, we all have sin. That's what the blood of Jesus is for. Here's what holiness is. The uniqueness, the power, the presence, the awesomeness of a heavenly God is transforming me on the inside. And that holiness I'm allowing to flow out of me to minister to the people around me. God's holiness, God's presence, it transforms me and it flows out from me. Everything that is holy in the new covenant as followers of Jesus, everything that is holy is designed to flow out. Nothing is supposed to be kept in. That's why when Isaiah, right after Isaiah said, he, when he got pure, you know what the next thing God says is? Who can I send? Who can I send? Who, will you go out now? I've touched you. You got my holiness. I'm transforming you. Now will you take that and go out into the world? Why did Jesus say, hey, wait, tarry here from on time till the Holy Spirit comes. Now you have the Holy Spirit. Now you're gonna be holy. You know what I need you to do? I need you to go. I don't need you to stay. I don't need you to sit. I don't need you to separate. I don't need you just to make a relationship with me about do's and don'ts and brag to your friends about all the things that you don't do and think that you're holy. You better go. You better get off your butt. You better get out there and be light. You are a city on a hill. You are a light. It's not to be covered up. You better get out there in the darkness and make a difference. That's why at church, when we talk about serving, when I talk to you about being a light, about inviting people to church, some of you tomorrow at work, at school, on your way to work, every, it's just, you have so many opportunities to be a light. If you get in a group, you're, what are you doing? You, you get in a group here, now you're, you're allowing how God's transforming you to flow out and be shared amongst others. When you serve out there, what did Jesus say? The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life, you know what ser serve, serving is? It is a demonstration and action of God's holiness. That's what serving is. Think about giving, tithing. You know what the Bible says about the tithe? The tithe is holy. You know what that means is? It's powerful, it has God's unique power blessing on it and it's designed to be sent out. It's holy. It's got to go out. You can't keep it in. You give it to your local church and it goes out to minister to a lost and dying world. 
Father, I thank you right now. Matt, you can come up. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that your holiness, because of the blood of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that your holiness transforms us and flows out from us. Lord, your holiness was never meant to destroy, Lord. It was meant to transform. And Father, I pray today, under the sound of my voice, each and every person, Lord, I pray that we have a healthy understanding of your character, your holiness, and what an awesome God that you are. Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you, that, Lord. What is man that you're mindful of him? What an awesome God that you are, Lord, that we can have a relationship with you. How powerful is the blood of Jesus that it can make us pure? So Lord, I just pray right now, God, that we would enter your presence with thanksgiving, with praise, Lord, that we would steward your holiness well, Lord, that we would take it out. We would let your presence, your goodness, your power flow through us for others. With every head bowed and every eye closed, here's what I want to ask. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you if you're a Christian or not, because that means different things to different people. What I'm going to ask you is, if you'd say, Stovall, I'm, I'm not really sure if I've really surrendered to Jesus, if I have a real relationship with him. Maybe that's you, or maybe you say, Stovall, you know, I surrendered my life to Jesus at one time, but I've drifted, man. I'm far from him. And you just know today that you need to have a fresh start in your relationship with Jesus. If that's you and you want me to include you in this closing prayer at all of our locations, would you just slip up a hand real quick wherever you are in your seat, raise those hands high. It's not for me, it's for God. I just believe it's important to show that sign of faith. So many hands are going up right now. You can put them down. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a prayer. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. If you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it. I want you to mean it. And church, I'm gonna ask all of us to say this prayer as well as like a declaration of faith and help those uh, many people who might be praying a prayer like this for the very first time. Would you say this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I repent of my sin and I thank you that your blood cleanses me, forgives me, and makes me new. Lord, from this day forward, I trust in you and I follow you. And Lord, I thank you that you're a holy God and I receive your holiness. I receive the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I thank you that it's transforming me and it's gonna flow through me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and amen. Come on, can you put your hands together for God? Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.